Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Barton Simmons. Uh, We are coming to you full-throated and full-volumed and a little bit more well-rested now. I am glad that you got home safe, by the way, because the last time our listeners heard you, you were literally on your way out the door. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I, to I go made to the it airport. Home. You made it home. This is a great thing to hear for the podcast listeners. That's right. I did some serious father uh, 36 hours and then uh, back out. Now I'm in San Antonio. That's right. The, um, great, the great river walk. Uh, this is always a week where we just like grind, grind through it and eat just horrible, unhealthy food and, you know, don't sleep a ton and just sort of. It's, I come out of this thing feeling really unhealthy. So if there's any San Antonio natives on the pod that have anything in the vicinity of the Riverwalk that you can recommend to me, uh, I'm open to it because, man, Riverwalk has not impressed me with the food over the many years I've been coming here. So what are you? do you just find yourself eating things that just uh, you don't have the time maybe to indulge in finer cuisines? It's just a, a grab it and go, whatever you can fit in your hand situation? No, it's just the, the river walk is like this. It's this. They it's priced and catered towards like a like a tourist demographic, but the food is not not good, nor is it healthy, <laughs> nor is it, nor is it economical. It's just like this really heavy kind of gross everywhere you go food that you pay you know thirty bucks a meal for. Uh, it's uh, it's it's yeah. It's I, I need some help. I need some help. From, from the locals okay for um, the let me timestamp so. this for the episode description minute 137 uh barton flames local san antonio cuisine listen i i have a lot of love for san antonio i've been here uh more years than i can count now but the uh the the cuisine i'm sure there's some good restaurants out there somewhere <laughs> but but the river walk it, it, i don't got it uh, we got. Uh, we will be previewing the national championship game, Alabama Clemson, the fourth edition of the college football playoff era. We will be doing that either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, wait until I get out to San Jose before we uh, knock that out. Maybe even get some some headlines, a little bit more information, better feel for the game. But Barton, it has been cracking in college football. There is no, whether it's uh, Bevo charging at Uga in a real you know food chain kind of moment at the sugar bowl whether it is uh you know like the georgia players who are talking all that trash on on uh on twitter during the clemson notre dame game you know this like there's a lot of of fun to unpack and we're going to try to hit on most of the highlights i want to start with the university of miami because all of that took a i felt like it happened all while we were sort of in route and traveling and focused on the game, both the retirement of Mark Richt and then the about face for Manny Diaz. Like as, as we're traveling home on Sunday and as all this is going down really, really quickly, you know, what's, what was sort of your uh, instant takes from a distance? Cause I'm, unless you were plugged into this, I I'd assumed that that would be the best case outcome for Miami, but I was not hopeful for Miami that they were going to be able to convince Manny Diaz to come back how how do you see that one? How did you, how do you read that one playing out? I mean, we talked about it when that 
when when Manny Diaz left, didn't we kind of say, hey, this is um, there went sort of the only thing Miami had going for it. Yes, with Manny Diaz, and we thought he would be back uh, in two years. We were going to give right. Mark Rick two more years, then he was going to get fired, then Manny Diaz was coming back, and it all happened in two days. And and I mean, clearly this was all. I mean, clearly this was a surprise to everybody. Now, whether how long Mark Richt had been stewing over it, um, who knows? But clearly this was a surprise to all involved. Otherwise, why would Manny Diaz leave? Um, basically, he's gone for two weeks, and it costs you know the University of Miami four point two million dollars or whatever his buyout is from Temple to get him back. Um, and you know he could have just he could just he, you know it. He's already cleaned out his office, I'd imagine. He could have just moved stuff over one desk over. Right. Instead, he's got to you know, fly it back down from Philly. But I think even though it was sort of intriguing to see what names were popping up, people yelling Dino Babers, um, you know, the, the, the Mike Norvells, the, um, just sort of whatever, the hot names that were sort of starting to, 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 to sort of um, emerge for that job, I do think Manny Diaz... I mean that's just a that's a that's a no brainer makes sense higher up but I will be very interested in what his OC is because defense in the problem mm-hmm. uh, so I hope he's and and so many of the and the of the real offensive minds that we really kind of know about and are proven commodities are their head coaches so who's the who's the offensive coordinator he's going to lure to Miami who's going to open things up and. And where is he going to get him? And and is he even going to be a name that people are really, um, that that people are sort of have a, a certainty about? Uh, so I, I think this is going to be a really interesting coaching staff hire. There was a there was a coach that was hired at Appalachian State that I think he should go talk to. And that's Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey got rave reviews for his work on the Carolina Panthers staff, and um, I'm he was the quarterbacks coach there. And I just think with the Miami connection, like you might, you could frown on that and say like, that's a very almost USC like hire to go to Ken Dorsey. But if you want to continue to just lean into this, uh, you know, this all out type thing, I think Ken Dorsey is a coach on the rise who's coming off of a, a pretty decent stint with the Panthers. And so I, I would not, I would, I would not think that is a bad hire, even if he lacks the college coaching experience. Well, I, I you know I don't know one way or the other on that one because didn't he just I mean he was just at like FIU in like an office job as, yeah in like a like a associate AD job or something and has he been announced as the offensive coordinator at App State or just an offensive assistant that I, was a little unclear to me yeah I don't know if it's been finalized yet well okay either way that that would be that'd be interesting but again that would take someone with more insight than I've got to to uh, stamp that one I, I and maybe that's you but uh <laughs> but, but i don't i don't know i'll, I'll have to try to see on that one but it's it's an interesting name at least but the yeah and but the idea i would think is that miami i don't know if miami right now is ready to go like they could open up to a more futuristic concepts but i don't think right now if miami is ready to to take a drastic step away from what has mostly been a pro style attack. Why? 
Why, think, what you what is what what are you scared of, Chip? Mm, what are you scared of? I think what do you I think a defense that's built around them uh the the real thickness in the front seven, you can't you can't put them back on the field that often. We need an offense that's gonna have long I, drives. I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing back on that like uh in in a very enthusiastic way. Th- this is they are in they are in Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County. Like that that is where Miami that is where you find the U. And all there is down there. There may not be a quarterback every year. There may not be a premier offensive lineman every year. There's probably going to be defensive talent on both sides of the ball, but maybe there's not a big body jumbo defensive lineman every year that's just like a no doubt guy. But there there is no doubt. Every year there is no doubt what they got. They got DBs, they got receivers. And they got skill and they got speed. Why like forget everything else? That needs to be featured. They need to be spread as F. Like get go hire Jeff Levy. There you go. There's your guy. Hire Jeff Levy from UCF and say, come on down to Miami and run what you run into UCF. And at the very least, at Miami, you're going to have a, a fan base who's so fed up from the Al Golden to the Mark Rick years of, of not having an exciting, explosive offense. They'll, they'll be willing to grant you a couple extra points on defense if they feel like there's an offense that's going to start scoring points and putting athletes on the field and athletes in a position to, to be successful in space. So that's, that's if, if I'm uh, Manny Diaz, that's my, that's my first call. I'm calling Jeff Lebby at, at UCF, the same guy that's been getting flirted with by Tennessee and uh, a couple of the other OC jobs that are, are coming. Ole Miss was another one I think that he was getting some, some, some buzz for. So um, I, I think that that's, that's the first call. The comments from Manny Diaz at his press conference this morning did not address the offensive woes as an offensive issue. He very much made it a quarterback issue, and that was interesting to me. That is interesting. I, I, I've not heard of his um, presser. That is interesting to me um, because if he's going to just sit here and, you know. if he's, he's looking at the room. He said there's not one starting quarterback in that room. He didn't say that. Though. No, like, of course he did. You're reading between the lines. Yeah, I'm reading between the yeah. lines that he's looking at the personnel, and I think Miami is probably going to suddenly become a big player in the transfer market. Yeah. Wow, that just would be um, if they just stick with the same old, same old. Um, I don't think that just... you could assume same old, same old. You're right. You got to wait for the hire. But I just, I don't know. For some reason, like, like does Manny Diaz have negative emotions? from uh his texas stint is he going to be too too fearful to really open it all the way up for fear of what it would do to expose a defense what all right who was the oc back then like what are you saying what are you saying that the texas was too was too didn't protect their defense enough Back then, was that the problem? They were definitely spread uh, focused. They were still trying to recapture Colt McCoy greatness. They were still operating, and they didn't have the quarterbacks. They didn't have a Colt McCoy, but that's that was basically still the game plan. All right. Well, 
I hope he's not. <laughs> I, it, it, look, if, if this is, I, I'm excited about this hire for Miami because it makes sense on a lot of fronts. But if this is a, if this is more of the same offensively, then I'm as a, as, as looking at it from a Miami perspective, then I'm sort of like, well, what, come on, Manny, are you that much of a guru that like that that now be that I wouldn't be more excited about Dino like think about Dino Babers down there right but I think you can think win the offense down there. I think you can win an ACC championship with the Baltimore Ravens you know I mean or like or that same or even last year's Miami team if if the, last year's Miami team doesn't have to play Clemson and if they're healthier on offense with Amon Richards and, and a few of those playmakers in the lineup and not Malik Rozier at quarterback that team can win an ACC championship you can do essentially what Mark Richt and Manny Diaz had put in place. I think it can be done. I just, uh, I think it was just obvious that either recruiting or development, there were just too many misses. But my, my point is, play to what you're most capable of. Play to what, like, UCF is is getting the fourth pick in the state of Florida, at best. Fourth pick among the schools in the state of Florida. Who, you know, that doesn't even count all the schools like Alabama and Georgia coming in to um to pilfer and, and poach recruits and look what they're putting together offensively and i know that you can say they're playing the AAC, whatever but that's my like you have got players in there at the skill position like that's your bread that should be your bread and butter let's not go try to find an offensive line that can you know mash people let's find a a, a system that can compensate for not having an offensive line that can mash people and and can put people in space. So that, that's my soapbox on the Miami thing. I like it. I love that passion. I can't wait to see who the hire is because you're either going to be standing. I will and have an opinion. Yeah, you will. Um, from uh, from you know not maybe wondering if you're going to open it up to uh, a a. The old one-back clinic, I think was the name of it, where it was born, but an air raid rider died. Dana Holgerson, he's leaving West Virginia, and he's taking the Houston job. Uh, my joke for this one, Barton, is for the first time, Dana knew when to leave the table. Yes. Yeah. Just a, a <laughs> lifelong card player. This was a time where I think he looked around. I think he looked at his stack of chips that he has coming back, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm gonna get out of town. And there was a lot of uh, different reporting in terms of motivation. Obviously, Houston probably views this through a lens of they got one from the Big 12. It was a splashy name. Uh, what, you know, how, how do you view this one from sort of both the Dana, the Houston, and also maybe even the West Virginia side? Maybe we'll save West Virginia for last on this one. Well, I mean, uh, Houston was getting totally like trash in the media for canning major apple white um after what they go seven and six this year yeah uh and i I, you know because they think that they're this this powerhouse that no one else sees and uh for tita they're um uh chairman of the board or or whatever the equivalent is at, at that university has said we fire you. Major better come in and win. The, the, when they hired him, uh, saying we fire fire you for winning eight games, uh, so you better win nine, ten, eleven, and they fired him. So I guess that's their 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 
men of their word in that regard. But um, I, I wasn't necessarily stoked about the major Applewhite hire to begin with. Uh, that felt like that just didn't feel like was it was going to be the guy. Um, and when they fired him, I was interested in who they would be able to get. And I don't know that you could ask for much better than Dana Holgerson basically stealing one from the Big 12. I mean, and I, now the marriage wasn't the marriage wasn't super super um, loving, I guess, in West Virginia between Dana and the administration. But you're still getting one from the Big 12, and the guy just had a pretty good year, and and he's I would expect he's going to do really well at Houston. They asked for permission, and West Virginia said sure. They didn't even put up a fight. That's what lets yeah. you know that like that and and so um, you know Dana Holgerson's coming off of of Will Greer. He's coming off of you know, he's losing David Sills. And they've this is it was going to be I believe it was going to end up being a step back season. Now in terms of, right. of what they got, he was nine and twenty one against ranked teams. They never beat Oklahoma, and I think that while he. Uh, while he brought a lot of excitement initially and certainly the Orange Bowl championship and the success in the Big East and Geno Smith and all that is definitely meaningful, I do I do wonder if you know, like West Virginia fans are talking themselves into the idea that you know this is going to end up being a good thing for West Virginia. I'm not ready to go that far, but I, I do think that it is not as much of a steal as otherwise because if Dana Holgerson were on the market – for any job, like if, if all of a sudden replacement level power five job is open, Dana Holgerson's on the list, but I don't know if Dana Holgerson's at the top of the list. No, no, but, and they're paying him what West Virginia wouldn't. And apparently they're pay, they're giving him money to, to hire pretty big time staff. Um, and so yeah, like this is almost like a little bit of a, we're going to, we're going to, um, steal one from the Big Twelve, quote unquote. But it's it it probably sounds like a bigger deal than it is, even though I think he he is going to be successful there. I think it makes sense, and it, when it works, especially you know depending on what what he hires. But I have I have a I mean Houston is still an, uh, a program that is set up for tremendous success, and. I think Dana Holgerson is a guy that can can tap into that. I think Houston so, Houston's one of the five group of five programs that I have the most confident would be able to make noise and be nationally relevant. Houston, UCF, Boise State. Yep. Uh, is there or did you have five specifically, or was that a, a, a arbitrary number? It was it was me thinking that I could not come up with five before I got to Houston. Off the bat, off the bat, I went UCF and even USF, which remember was number two in the nation more than a decade ago. But I think that you can get that to a point where it's making some noise in a given season. UCF, USF, Boise State. Um, let's see. I mean, I won't make you go through it, yeah. but that's that. But I agree with you. And then yeah. Houston, I mean, it, yeah, 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 um, yeah. I mean, now now the what's like the the West Virginia response I feel like has been a little bit of a 
Okay. Um, let's see what we can, let's see what we can get. Thanks for your, thanks for your time. And, and thanks for your, your work. Um, Dana, we're not going to, we're not mad to see you go. We're not bitter to see you go. We're happy with what you accomplished here and appreciate all your work, but we're also going to be okay and we'll move on. That seems to be, that's sort of my, my sense on the vibe from West Virginia. There is a fascinating opportunity now because I think what West Virginia does, if I was to just you know make a prediction here, is that West Virginia goes back to that list of the five or six coaches that are the best available, that are at the top of everyone's list. Where does West Virginia view itself? Do they think they can go get another Power 5 sitting head coach, or is this a, a Neil Brown, uh, a Luke Fickle? What do, you, what do you think is next for the Mountaineers? Because I'm not even sure in the wake of – like this feels like as much of a time to just not blow it up, but if you want to just start something over and just hand the program the direction stylistically, the infrastructure, there's an opportunity here because Dana Holgerson was hired by Oliver Luck, I'm pretty sure, who is now out. And they've had multiple changeovers at a lot of the leadership positions. So this is now, for the first time in almost a decade, a chance to really start rewriting what West Virginia football is, or maybe not. Um, how do you see this one playing out? I think you just go and decide which of those uh, group of five guys you like the best. Um, Fickle. Neil Brown and Mike Norvell. Am I missing anybody? I mean, those are the those are the, the yeah. main three. Uh, and see if any. I mean, look, those guys may not think West Virginia is a great job. Um, they may think, look, we've we've we didn't get the job this year. Next year, we're going to be top of the call list. Sure, and so and next year could see a lot more movement than we saw this year. So maybe that maybe it might be a tougher sell than maybe West Virginia thinks, but I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three. If if you're if you're making a hire for West Virginia at this point in the cycle, if I'm Neil Brown, maybe I go just because I would think that the team you're taking over would be ready for what you want to do, offensively. Um. Yeah, I mean that you could make the same argument with Mike Novell, right? Right, one hundred percent. Just, just sort of culturally, like you're, um, the, the, yeah, you're more so, in, more in line for for them to hear what you're putting down. Right, right. I think for Luke Fickle to build a nasty, I, I think Luke Fickle probably stays at Cincinnati. Well, yeah, and Luke Fickle in year two to do what he did, you know, he could be he could be in line for one of the big jobs if he has another like a. a 10 win season i think he does that's one of the youngest teams in fbs yeah they're bringing back a ton yeah he could be the name here in a couple years so that's probably not the job he jumps for yeah um all right so here's a question the it, it is that time of year where the we had i guess eight nfl jobs are open so a quarter of nfl jobs 25 percent are open right now and who knows if that'll change by the time you listen to this but the point is, that means we're on high alert on the college level, wondering who of our guys might get snatched. Now, there are some names that have been around, come around almost annually. There are others that are more seasonal, particularly to this year. Uh, the ones that we've seen just sort of, and again, these are these are names that are floating around. So I want to I want to try and see how how far we are willing to go with the idea 
that that there is going to be uh, potentially a late season opening here. Um, Notre Dame's Brian Kelly, Baylor's Matt Rule. Um, who el- who else do we have? That's getting- obviously Cliff Kingsbury, USC offensive coordinator, former Texas Tech coach. Who else is on the list right now that you've seen um, among the NFL uh, talking head types? Well, I mean, Lincoln Riley, we talked about Matt Campbell. I don't know if you said him. And then Brian Kelly's the new – getting the new little smoke. Uh, those are the those are the main ones. I mean, how about Cliff Kingsbury being – signing, basically choosing USC OC job over the NFL, and then now that Black Monday hits, uh, getting buzz for the NFL jobs. That would be – That'd be a punch in the gut for Clay Helton and the Trojans. That would be a death sentence to the Clay Helton era. So, but there, there is. I think you're right. I think it would be a death sentence. There, is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Chip. Is this this? I think this is a pretty volatile year in NFL. Even by NFL standards, there's there's going to be or there is currently a lot of head jobs open. Is that an accurate statement? I imagine, yeah, I mean, like, if a fourth of your workforce is changing over, or not not your workforce, but if a fourth of your head coaches are changing over, that's significant. And a bunch so, of them a bunch of them have lost jobs after, like, two or less years. The, right. the NFL owners are, are snapping their fingers real quick right now. I just feel like there's got to – I feel like this – if there's ever a year that another college guy jumps, doesn't this feel like the year? And and there's 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 suddenly like, in a, like NFL candidate types, um, whether it, I mean Matt Campbell and Matt Rule are both sort of fit the NFL mold. I think Lincoln Riley is that that train has is out of the station at this point, or that bus has passed. I mean they sort of. Like, they announced a new contract extension and a raise in salary. And when they sent the press release out, it was with a big ass graphic that said staying home. Right. He ain't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma think, came out and announced to everybody when they got engaged, you know, like yeah. he, they put that I mean, on Facebook Link, and Twitter. Lincoln Riley's got one of the best jobs in football, not just college football. And, and you know, why, why go risk your job security when you're still building something there? So th- I get that. But Cliff Kingsbury, He's gone if he gets an NFL head coaching job. There's no, I mean, if he gets a, an offer, he's he's not choosing to be in the USC OC instead <laughs> no. of being an NFL head coach. Uh, you know, I, I think Matt Rule. I, I don't, think Matt, I don't know that Matt Rule will go doing a lot of flirting because he kind of, you know, he flirted last year. But if Matt Rule gets offered an NFL job, like it just it feels like a, a matter of time before Matt Rule is in the NFL. Uh, so maybe this year, and then Brian Kelly. I don't. I I hear that Brian Kelly has a little bit of an of an itch to the NFL, and look, it's either this year or never. You think Brian so? Kelly does, oh. Well, think about it. When is he ever going to have? I guess if he just sort of starts doing this every year, where they're eleven and eleven and one, twelve and zero, and he's in the playoffs every year, then maybe he's got the kind of buzz. But my my hunch is that he's his stock is high right now. So if he wants to make a jump, he better go start pursuing it this year. I don't know whether he wants to or not, but I think it's he's got to – it intrigues him at least. I, I've been so, I, I've, I've been cautious because uh, the instance of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers interest. You know, we, we see uh, Brian Kelly's name 
is potentially getting linked to the Buccaneers. And then all of a sudden we get the report from somebody close to the Buccaneers that says as someone familiar inside the building, familiar with the search process, they have no intention of hiring Brian Kelly. So it feels like so much of Brian Kelly's name being thrown around. Yes, it is probably powered a little bit by representation and yes, it's always good to have your name come up in these coaching searches, but I just wonder how how much effort he's willing to pursue because an NFL franchise is more than happy to leak the idea that they are going to be checking out these college coaches. And college coaches, especially offensive ones, are all the rage. And so you're, I guess you're doing your job by at least entertaining the idea of a college coach when at the end of the day, all you're really going to hire is another professional coordinator. Right. Well, my, my point is not that I think he is interested or that I think he will pursue it. I'm just saying if he ever wants to go to the NFL, he, he, ought, to, he, he ought to do some serious exploring this cycle because I don't know if he's ever going to be – I think, his, I think he's, his stock's high right now. And, you know, if, if – I, I don't know how many more 12-0 seasons he's got in his, under his belt. Um, and so I just would, if, if I'm Brian Kelly, if, if this is, if this is quietly something he's always wanted, I don't know if it is, but if it is something he's quietly always wanted, if he tells his wife at night, uh, you know what, I, I hope I, when can I make that NFL leap? You know, this has been fun, but we, let's do the NFL thing. I'm tired of recruiting. Let's, let's do it sometime. He's got it. You know, he's got a 12 and 0 season to to give him a little bit of juice this year. And, and I don't know that he's going to have that every year. So I just, I'm just interested in seeing if that has some development to it. Right. Because this is how we get head coach, Notre Dame head coach, Urban Meyer. (laughs) Maybe too, maybe too quick for that. Urban Meyer may need to just, for well, a little bit of cover. Well, you know, just say. Uh, <laughs> E plus R equals O. You know, the first event was me retiring. And the second one is Notre Dame job opening. My response is I say yes. <laughs> I, I mean, the Notre Dame job being open is such a game changer. Yeah. I, I think, you know what I'm doing? I'm probably mentally denying the chances that it'll happen because A, like I've mentioned, his name has come up in a lot of NFL coaching searches only to see him back in South Bend. Uh, but B, it would just it would turn the the table over again. I don't know where Notre Dame would go. I don't know who they hire. Yeah, we yeah we can't even explore it to the extent of like talking about who where Notre Dame would go because it's it's just not it's not a serious enough possibility. Um, but but, but I'm yes, acknowledging that that, that, that would be, be a big bleeping storyline to get dropped in our lap in uh, uh, mid January. It would be it would be enormous. <laughs> yeah. would be. I, I'll say I'll say the most likely uh, is Kingsbury taking a job. I will say the least likely is Dan Mullen. Is Dan Mullen? Is there some Dan Mullen NFL buzz right now? I uh, missed that. I think that's probably agent fuel. Daniel Jeremiah, who I love a lot and follow for a lot of great NFL insight. Uh, some interesting college names floating around the NFL openings: Rule, Kelly, Kingsbury, and Mullen. Uh, he's also uh, carrying some Matt Rule water. I'd hire Matt Rule in a heartbeat. He's an outstanding leader and he'd set the tone for an entire organization. People love Matt Rule. Yeah, he's yeah, they do love Matt Rule. And I don't know Matt Rule, but I know a lot of people that love Matt Rule. 
<laughs> enough to make uh, you I, to make you believe he's the real deal like to put a barton stamp of approval of being like yeah you know what he might he might be he might be it it from a college or just nfl or just in general coaching you know i mean obviously what I they mean, like yeah, about I, him I is more him. intangible than results i mean i was i, I had a i, I cashed up a, a uh baylor over five and a half games this year with someone in the office because they were busting my chops about me being hyping baylor after i visited baylor over the summer and uh you know and part of it was just i think that i think they'll be better i think they'll get better i think they'll continue to get better under him and uh yeah i'll 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 be drinking i got i got twenty dollars worth of beers on that one the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of new balance Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. So, all right, Texas beats Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Tom Herman as a daggum dog uh, coming through and the straight-up victory. One, one what, more coaching thing we got we to gotta just touch on before we get out of the coaching. Rich Rodriguez, offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, paired with Mike McIntyre, defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. You buying that? Buying. You believe in that? I think that that combination means that the best teams on Ole Miss's schedule are in trouble and that the regular the teams that Ole Miss isn't equal to, it's just going to be the same stuff. Is it a little bit weird that Matt Luke is now like the fourth highest profile coach on his own staff? No, I think <laughs> I think Matt Luke is totally okay with that because yeah. Matt Matt Luke may be the fourth most recognizable or popular coach on the coaching staff uh, everywhere in the world, but that ain't the case in Oxford. I mean, it's like when these head coaches end up coming through as analysts or assistants for Nick Saban's Alabama staff. Like, yeah, that that's fine and all, but uh, you're still an assistant and you're not the head coach. This is sort of like so Butch, Alabama Butch goes, Jones walks around pretty anonymously as a member of the Alabama staff to be Butch right. Jones. Right. I. Like Alabama goes and hires the, the Butch Joneses of the world as as interns, and they just just come in there and just sort of grind, you know, poke around and, <laughs> and grind. And uh, Ole Miss, they'll they'll go hire these guys, but they're 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 paying them the big money to be their coordinators too. Um, it's it's you're, I think you're right. I think that they're this is, but like I think my my comparison there is these guys just like the coaches at, at Alabama are serving out their time to like get their like repair their image get back in the good graces of the like football like, like gather some positive energy in the football universe and then they go take another head job uh you know Rich Rodriguez Mac, Mike McIntyre probably two years here and then or one depending on how good they do this year and then they're off to their next head job uh and I think I think in some ways it's smart on both sides because you get the Rick Neuheisels of the world that don't want to be a, a coordinator um, and then they get in sort of the media world and they're a couple years away and then it's sort of – no one's really that 
excited to hire them as a head coach again. Whereas right. these guys can stay in stay in sort of the, the the consciousness nationally as a coach, and not just as a former coach. And I bet it's a I bet it's a smart move for them. And I, I think it's you know it's, I can't imagine Ole Miss is going to hire much better than those guys at, at the coordinator spot. So that's probably a win win for everybody. I heard Nick Saban straight up use the term rehabilitate their career, and he. He understands that he is doing that, and he acknowledges that there is a part of him that enjoys being able to allow coaches to do that. It's weird. We think of him as being so cold and robotic, but Nick Saban has proven time and time again he can uh, express uh, human feelings towards another human. Good guy. Good guy. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's get to this. Texas over Georgia. Uh, the Like... Can are you just going to move beyond it? Are you trying to draw any bigger connections either to uh, the SEC in these Sugar Bowl games or um, you know Georgia in general? What's what's the extent that you are willing to carry out any Georgia? Because there's also a Texas related angle to this, including your uh, claim about Sam Ellinger as an iconic Texas quarterback only looking stronger after his three touchdown MVP performance. I'm feeling great about my Sam Ellinger will be a, an iconic Texas quarterback take. Uh, he is, I mean, he is going to be every kid in the state of Texas's favorite football player before his career is done. He's got two more years. He's not going to leave. That is not an early entry in a no. draft guy. No. So he's going to play four years at Texas. They look like they're getting better. Colin Johnson and little Jordan Humphreys are coming back, I believe. Um, they're... I, you know, the, the defense is going to be really good um, in the future, and and I think their offensive line is starting to improve. And so look there, so there's a there's a backness element to this. Though I think we're kind of past playing with playing that game about are they back or are they not. I think you know they're back enough to where uh, it, I'm not shocked that they beat Georgia in the in the Sugar Bowl, and they're in the dang Sugar Bowl, um, but. I just think Texas, what they've got coming now is a chance to be really good with a quarterback that is is about to be the face of that state. Um, and so I think that's that's pretty exciting if you're a Texas fan. Uh, so I think on the yeah on the Texas end of it, like it's it's you know this is this is the first season in a while where I think it's probably been like really fun to be a Texas fan. We, we played that one out on the locks pod locking up t- Texas. And I might've even said, it was like, and I would not be surprised if Texas wins the game. Texas, Texas was not, um, if you threw out, you know, all, all of the, the record, like the idea that Texas would show up to that game more, like throw out the Maryland loss, throw out data points that would maybe lead you to think otherwise if Texas shows up to that game ready to bring the fight and ready to, then it might beat Georgia. I think I knew that going in. And my only worry was that Georgia was going to play one of its best games of the season. And then all of a sudden I wouldn't get my, my double digit cover, but they did, but Georgia did not play one of its best games of the season. In fact, the miscues early created, um, you know, all of a sudden this deficit where Texas was able to lean on its defense and then get just enough out of Ellinger uh, to be able to get out of there with the win. I'm just, I, I think that this was a uh, very indicative of the the Tom Herman Texas program. 
So it's a great sign. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm excited to watch Texas and Oklahoma over the next two to three seasons as Texas has a legitimate chance after splitting with Oklahoma this year, uh, once you know, win Red River, lose a classic Big Twelve championship. I think that we look at the next two to three seasons and the one of the biggest storylines in all of college football is whether Oklahoma can defend its throne against the Longhorns. Yeah, it does, it does kind of feel like that, that Texas is now officially coming for OU. Right. And like, I, I was thinking about this. It felt like Texas for – like and I watched the game with Trey Scott uh, among other people. Though. There's like 12 people down here for, at, the, at the Iron Bowl and Trey was – we were watching the game at Hooters – you know, just as cliche as you could be, because um, <laughs> we couldn't find couldn't find any good food in town, and and they had the game. So, hey, a spicy and, chicken sandwich and uh, a large domestic will get you out of there with a cheap meal and have you on your way. Absolutely, yeah. At least Hooters like prices are, are don't get the the uh, Riverwalk bump. But Trey's like an obnoxious Texas fan, and I feel like Texas fans for a while have been this sort of fan base where it's like they puff their chest and walk around like like they're the they're your neighbor uh, on your street that drives a big truck with a lift kit and revs their engine and, <laughs> you know, but they're also sort of bouncing in and out of unemployment, you know, like right. just sort of don't really have their stuff together, but have this like rock and ride. And now all of a sudden, I like Texas, it feels like they just like they just got to like you can. I'm okay with Texas puffing their chest out finally. Sure. And I think that the future is is is, and I and in and in some ways like I, for the first time in a while, like if I was a Texas fan, like that seems like it feels like it'd be a pretty good place to be, um, because Sam Ellinger, if he's on your team, pretty easy to root for. Um, and so, I, I think this is an interesting, an interesting trajectory they're on here. I, I think uh, on the Georgia end of things. It's um, okay. Well, just you go first. Like, what do you think? What do you What do you take away from the Georgia deal? I was disgusted by how many broad takeaways there were to a single exhibition game result. I'm not here for trying to point to the performance of Georgia or the loss of UCF as as being anything that. Uh, as, as being anything that we should make any broad, you know, determinations about the college football playoff, the playoffs effectiveness, the committee's effectiveness. It just, it felt like there was a lot of consternation that really started with, uh, you know, the initial decision. Remember George, the, that was on selection Sunday, Georgia got screwed. Georgia got screwed. Then Notre Dame has the performance, a really bad performance against Clemson, which, as we mentioned, a few plays go differently when it's nine to seven. That's a totally different game. And I think that as as we were able to put some context around the Clemson Notre Dame result and in discussing Notre Dame, I think that that helped me have a more clear eyed view of the Texas Georgia result, which which allowed me to be like, well, okay, fine. That's that's not the case. I. I just don't see why you should be able to take the New Year's Six results as either evidence for or against the entire postseason model. No, I, I agree with like I'm I'm with you like but not but the same thing on the Notre Dame deal too like you can't none of this like the results 
isn't a justification or an indictment of the of the process. If you want to argue the process, then fine, argue the process. But 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 argue the resumes before they get into the postseason. Argue what they did. If you believe that what Georgia did leading up to the postseason earned them the right to play in the playoffs over a Notre Dame at that time, then okay. But I don't want to hear how, look, Notre Dame lost, you see, told you they just shouldn't have been in there. Or look, Georgia lost, see, Georgia, you shouldn't have been bellyaching, you didn't deserve to be in either. It, it's, it's, that is, is irrelevant to me. Like it, it's, it's relevant, I guess, but it's not that, you're, you're judging someone on their resume and, and we don't, we, we can't, we don't have a time machine. And so it, we're not trying to map out the best games. We're not trying to, like I said, we could get Vegas to give us the, who would have the closest points for edge and they may pick some seven and three team. Um, but it's about what is like, what have you earned relative to how good are you and, and how good do we think you are? And that, that's why I'm, I got there was a little bit of poetic justice to that this because Georgia was you know some of the biggest belly I mean the out play there. the players were on Twitter talking about it during the game yeah man you gotta go that's, take care of business if you're gonna be like that's that. bad karma yeah um, so I'm with you I still think I, st- I still think that Georgia is one of the top four teams in college football I still think Georgia didn't deserve to be in the college football playoffs. I still think Notre Dame likely isn't one of the top four teams in college football. I still think Notre Dame deserved to be in the college football playoffs because we don't know any of this stuff. We don't. We just don't know, and it, it's you, we can't decide that we're smarter than the results. And and so this is just another, like this. So I. So that's my that's my that's my. Point. I think you can be the one of the four best teams in college football, but if you don't play like one of the four best teams in college football as often as someone else does, then you're not one of the four best teams in college football. Right. So I just hate how these type of results embolden people to go out and just and and just get on the soapbox for whatever their talking point has been all year right like you're just good all all you're doing is is just cherry picking yeah yes Yes. yeah you're just tailoring like whatever the new data point is towards your message when in reality is like just it's it's the like you said these these are just Anything can happen on any on any one bowl certainly any bowl game they don't play for Uh, like 24 days like, right. You want to know why teams have cold starts? Because they're cold. Because it is impossible to get up to game speed until you get out there. You want to know why I, why I crushed bowl season this year? Because I spent more time than I ever have in the past actually studying and reading like stories by local beat writers on every game, trying to figure out what the what like the motivating indicators were in each game. It doesn't matter who the better teams are. Doesn't matter what. Just throw the stats out the window. This is bowl season across the board, and it's it it yeah. So this is um, this is just the latest latest example of that. Um. All right, I got to run to CBS Sports HQ in about five minutes. Always watch CBS Sports HQ, of course. Um. Any anything else stand out from bowl season? 
I think Florida, Michigan. Oh, you was got interesting. Jim Harbaugh. I got a, you know my Harbaugh take is that Harbaugh, if he doesn't change the system, offensively and defensively for that matter, then he needs to recruit better players. That's that's not super easy to do because they're already trying, they're trying already on in recruiting, uh, but they're not recruiting as well as Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia. Um, so when they play teams with lesser talent, they smash them. They're gonna freaking dominate them. But when Florida, Florida does not have lesser talent than Michigan. That's the thing. Um, and then, you know, SEC sort of stood up a little bit. I mean, Penn State, for Kentucky to go be Penn State, I guess I guess my final answer on Kentucky is they're good. They're good. <laughs> like, we've like, been waffling back and forth. They're good. They're not good. I guess i got to have a final answer if Kentucky's good. Um, uh, I mean, there there's some, you know, the the longevity of that goodness, you know, I don't think they're going to win 10 games next year. But uh, they there has been enough time for Mark Stoops to have a nasty defensive identity built into that program, and I think that we we just assume that for at least the next two to three years, Kentucky's going to be a bowl eligible team with a nasty defense. And if you go play Kentucky's game, they might beat you. Yeah, and and uh, Jim uh, James Franklin's already fired at a wide receivers coach, um, so there's going to be some. Some search, certainly some uh, self-reflection in state college. Yeah, you should have some self-reflection about deciding to kick a field goal on fourth and six from the seventeen-yard line. When I, I didn't Trace... hate that as much as everyone else did. Oh, I but it's... maybe I was wrong. Yeah, At I mean, the time I was like, look, there's four and a half minutes left. I know they got three timeouts. Like I got it. Like it, it made to me, it made it, it was it, it was more likely that they were going to kick, be able to kick two field goals than it was they would get that fourth and six i don't know they got all those stops but it's like it goes back to one of those things where benny snell was just a man possessed and it's like i don't as 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 much as my defense has been able to get stops in the fourth quarter if it comes down to the like fourth quarter then whether it's trace mcsorley or or benny snell whoever's getting that ball in those moments they're going to be able to succeed so that's why i i keep it with trace mcsorley the molly rose bowl take is it was like having washington on the side there what a phenomenal cover because at the end of the game, there was sort of this buzz and energy around the stadium and, and in the broadcast. And it was as if everyone was just watching to see if they covered right. because no, no one thought Washington was going to win that game. Like they weren't actually coming back to try to win it. It was just like, Oh man, Washington's, Washington's got the ball again. Like let's, let's see if they can score this one to, to cut it to within five and a half. Like that was uh that was a very satisfying cover. So even if you got it at five and a half, you were safe because that Except one came they almost had their, they, the, the, the uh, two point conversion return. Right. Nearly would have busted up the five and a half. Right. Came real yeah. close. And it looked like it was going to happen there for a minute. Cause if you had six, you would have been fine. You would have had a push then, I guess. I think we had like six and a half or seven. So right. we were, we were, we were Gucci, but like the five and a half was uh, was where there was. Then you're getting into to danger zone. All right, we will uh, link up on the weekend for an in depth preview of Alabama and Clemson, the college football playoff national championship game. Uh, you can follow Barton on Twitter at Barton Simmons. He's down there. He's at the All America game, and uh, he's he's killing it. Uh, follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Is there?